Scott with SJWellfire.com. Final day's report, November 1st. Happy November. Podcast we're calling Joe Rogan Needs a Bible Lesson. Make sure nobody steals your soul. So let's get into it. So there's a viral video going around where this pastor actually comments on Joe. And Joe is just ripping on the Bible. He's flippant. He's aggressive. He's hostile. He's mocking. He's a scoffer of the Bible. His tone is just awful. And the scripture that comes to mind, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, Romans 1, 22. And you know, I don't listen to Joe. I might've listened to five of his podcasts. And I don't listen to Alex Jones. I subscribe to Alex Jones's Telegram account. And Alex went on to talk about Joe's net worth and how much his house is worth. I'm not going to spew that out, but it's a lot. And for any of you who've tried to save people's souls that are rich, it's very, very hard. So I'm going to cut Joe some slack. And I think he does ask good questions and obviously has the number one podcast in the world. And so maybe if we pray for Joe, he can be just a great man of God and start having, or, or at least have some men of God on his show that can just debunk everything he says, because it's really rubbish what comes out of his mouth. I might do a multi, multi-part series, just kind of dissecting some of his preconceived notions and just give a different point of view. But I'm going to play a bit here in this podcast. We're going to cover three things. One, I want you to watch Joe's like, are you an Old Testament guy or are you a New Testament guy? And it's the dumbest question of all time because the Old Testament is written for Jesus Christ. I'm going to prove that out. It's the same book. It's supernatural. And then he went on to say, Constantine wrote the New Testament, which is just pure rubbish. I mean, the Bible has more manuscripts than any other historical book. And the mathematical chances it's not real is it's, it's impossible. And we'll cover that. And then I think it's a legit question. I'm being a little hard on them. Um, where's the proof of the Bible? I'm going to talk about the podcast that I did. That was my journey. And I was probably not a, where Joe is, but I had some doubts of the authenticity of the Bible. And then once I dug into it, it just, it just hit big time. And I'll cover that. But let's move to the eight minute mark. Watch how flippant this guy is and just, he's just aggressive. Almost to a point of abusive. Openly talk about God right. and every, and no, and no one goes, what is God? What are you saying? Like, right. what are you saying? Do you think Jesus came back from the dead? What, what do you think? Do you think someone walked on water? Do you believe in the literal translation? Yeah. Someone walked on water. Someone came back from the grave, and yes, God inspired the Bible. Yes. Amen, amen, amen. Are you an Old Testament guy or a New Testament guy? Both. Old Testament and New Testament. Good job. Well, it's the New Testament. No, well, the New Testament was made by Constantine. It was a- <laughs> made by... <laughs> made by Constantine? No, it wasn't. That's a clown show right there. Joe, say it ain't show. So, Joe. Joe Scoffer. So where's the evidence of the Bible? I do think he asked a good question here. And when I was becoming a Christian and researching it, seriously, researching it, the craziest thing I found that helped turn the corner was just the evolution fallacy, right? And the evidence of the cover-up of giants. And I'm talking 10 to 14 foot giants, 1300 pounds, The cover-up by the Smithsonian, and we know, right, the giants are all over the Old Testament, all over it, right? But all of a sudden, hundreds, hundreds of articles 
all said the same thing. They're like, we called the Smithsonian in. They came and picked up all these giant bones that were 13 feet, 14 feet, 10 feet. And then the Smithsonian had an accident and lost them. I mean, this, if the, if the Smithsonian was legit, they should have these giants everywhere, but it destroys the evolution, religion, and narrative. It destroys it because we didn't come from monkeys, right? And these giants, we'll get into that in a separate podcast, but the Nephilim blood, right? The six toes, gene corruption as the days of Noah. Noah was perfect in his generation, perfect, meaning his gene pool was clean. There's a gene pool war right now, my friend. We'll cover that in a separate podcast. But the other thing with the proof the Bible is real, you need to go check this out, sjwelfare.com teachings, uh, teaching sections, proof Bible is real is the name of the podcast. But the other thing that was blew me away is we know the book of Genesis, right? Um, first book of the Bible, basically Genesis 5, the genealogy with the Hebrew names, you put them in order, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, you can't make that stuff up. That's su- supernatural, right? Don't tell me that Jewish rabbis thought of that. I mean, it's awesome. Then Jesus Christ fulfilled 300 prophecies. Eight of them is basically mathematically impossible. It's beyond space time. And this is mind blowing for Joe. I challenge Joe on this, you know, Joe, the science. We know Eve was made from Adam's rib bone, right? We know it. That's what it says in the word. And there's one rib bone that grows back if you were to saw it off tomorrow. It's the only bone that grows back. I looked this up in medical journals. Unbelievable. There's so much more we could talk about. Uh, From an archaeology standpoint, they found Sodom and Gomorrah. Again, check out that podcast. Unique sulfur balls, like raining fire and brimstone down on, brimstone on, on that sinful city. They found Noah's Ark, Ron Wyatt's work. Look him up. Um, the Turkish government even recognized it. And then they found a bunch of stuff in the Red Sea that really shows Pharaoh's army just getting drowned out, just remnants of it. You just flat out see it. And and the path that that it went through actually was relatively flat, deep, you know, not a river, deep, but <laughs> it's there. If you have eyes to see it, it is there. And I got to tell you, one thing that, I didn't believe first time I read the Bible from cover to cover was Joan, the story of Jonah. And I always had a trouble with it when I grew up in Catholic school was a fish slash whale swallowing Jonah. Um, and then all of a sudden recently in the news, a whale swallows a man. <laughs> God's laughing at us. And then the last thing I think I talk about, it was the genealogy where there's this famous historical book, um, ancient book, dealer he he was blown away with the bible and how the genealogies are throughout the whole the old testament the bible and new testament and he's like there's not one ancient book that just does that and then he went and researched the genealogies through some of connections that he had he was he was blown away with the evidence of just genealogies alone that's what brought him to christ great story and it's unique right now the other thing too just laughing at constantine and joe where he just he he needs to put get some experts on because when you dive into it, and I put a bunch of sources here, but you dive into it and you hear people that actually own some of these uh, manuscripts, it's mind-bending. And I'm not sure if this article quotes Chuck Missler, but research Chuck Missler too. He's a Fortune 500, was, he's deceased, Fortune 500 CEO, just a sharp guy and just a great man of God. 
But this article, miraculousbible.org, I'm going to quote from them. The Bible is a collection of 66 books written by 40 different authors right, on three different continents and three different languages over a period of 1,500 years. So different writing styles. I'm convinced they didn't necessarily all have the same books together. It's like, okay, let's, you know, it's just my personal opinion. Yet these 66 books have a marvelous unity. It's like every word counts. 40 men have never written with 40 men have never written with such unity and agreement. The Bible has proven itself to be from God scientifically, archaeologically, and historically. It's true. It's supernatural. So continuing to chop the comments of Joe to the ground, the Old Testament, the, the Septuagint, right, is the Greek, um, it's the Greek work of taking the Hebrew manuscripts and converting them over. And I guess 70 to 72 scholars did this. And this was two over 200 years before the new Testament. Right. And so the old Testament's legit. And then from a new Testament perspective, I don't think Constantine wrote 25,000 manuscript copies, but astounding. Let's read this article. Astounding number of ancient manuscripts. And they're finding more every day. It said, and this was old 5,000 Greek manuscripts, 10,000 Latin and 9,000 other totaling over 24,000 manuscript copies or portions of the new Testament. These are dated 100 to 300 years after the originals, but it gets better. Both liberal and conservative scholars in recent years have moved to the view that all of the new Testament was written prior to the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, because how they wrote it, they, it was a prophecy that Jerusalem was going to get destroyed. Right. Oh, it's exciting. So I was listening to a sermon the other day, just trying to do some research. And it was just fascinating. The, the title of um, the sermon, I think it was like Jesus in the Old Testament. And prophecy, symbolism, foreshadowing, allegorical foretold appearances of Jesus you know, genealogy, as I mentioned before, all of these things in the Old Testament, as you, if you haven't, if you, if you really just read the Old Testament and think of those stories, they really have a lot of elements tied to Christ. And, and it's just, it's, it's brilliant. So Acts 10, 23 to him, give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins, right? The gospel the gospel. So one, we're going to go over a bunch of evidence. The old Testament is really about Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus is in Genesis and there's only one way to salvation. And so we know the story of Noah's Ark. And again, I'm going to do a podcast about the corruption of the gene pool and why God destroyed the whole world. The genes pool was was corrupted and they're doing it now today. We're going to cover that. It's like, oh, this wicked God destroying everybody. No, the people are wicked. And they, they were sinful and they were, their gene pool was corrupt, right? But Noah's Ark, one door on the Ark represents salvation. One way to salvation is Jesus Christ. And so this is John 10, and I love this. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find the pasture, right? So you envision animals going in one door and then coming out and then going to pasture, be fruitful and multiply. You just got to love it. So Genesis 6 16, a window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set above in the side thereof, the lower and the second and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, if 
I even, if I do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life, right? God breathed the breath of life from under the heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die. And judgment's coming back to, to, to this world. I was going to say the United States, to this world as the days of Noah, so shall it be in the end days, right? So get ready. Joe, thank you for this opportunity to preach. So another obvious parallel of how the Old Testament is written about the New Testament is Genesis 22 that really foreshadows Jesus Christ. And so Abraham, right? He had a son that was really a miracle named Isaac. And God challenged Abraham and said, go and sacrifice Isaac, right? His son and God offers up his son, Jesus, his only begotten son. So God, so Abraham with faith actually goes to go do it. And right before he was going to sacrifice his son, Isaac, God provides a ram in a thicken. The ram depicts being in this thicket, the crown of thorns of Jesus Christ. I mean, it's, it's wild. It's obvious. And Abraham was blessed by his faith and he was considered righteous, not his works, but by his faith. And we'll talk about the different sacrifices of what they mean for the atonement of sins and blood. So stay tuned there. Another parallel of Jesus being the ultimate sacrifice. And I love this. Jesus was before even the gospel was written. And we'll talk about Jesus coming in the Old Testament. So Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. I mean, Jesus is the word of God. Pretty, pretty wild, pretty, you know, pretty self-explanatory story of that parallel representing Jesus Christ as the ultimate sacrifice and how to get saved. Now, going a little bit deeper, the firstborn, the oldest, oftentimes gives up their birthright. So this really is about replacement theology that a lot of people within Christianity kind of debate. I, I think it's pretty clear. But before we get into it, Adam and Eve you know, when they sinned before God and ate the fruit, you know, Satan beguiled them. They used fig trees to cover up their nakedness. And then when God started talking to them, God actually made them coats of skin to clothe them. Coats of skin. So, so keep a mental note of that coats of skin. But back to how the firstborn gives up their birthright and how this actually parallels the chosen people to now how all of us have an opportunity to get saved is pretty mind-blowing. So Ishmael, the firstborn, of Abraham and basically was born of a bondwoman. So Abraham's wife could, was barren, but then God opened up Abraham's wife's womb and she had a miracle child, just like Jesus was a miracle, miracle child. And Ishmael was basically told to leave and, you know, God blessed Ishmael, but the true inheritance was given to the second son, Isaac, right? He was the inheritance. He was the second born. He was more blessed. And so this parallelism really, again, represents Israel losing the promise of their old covenant to the new covenant that allows Israelites, Jews to actually be saved, but they have to save and believe on Jesus Christ to all the believers in all tongues, right? Both Jews and Gentiles, but you got to believe. It's, it parallels it perfectly, right? And it even gets more deep. So then Isaac has two kids. So the firstborn was Esau, who's a hairy one. And Jacob was the second one born. They were twins. And Esau ended up giving up his birthright to his brother because he was starving and that pissed God off. <laughs> what are you doing, Esau? And 
he just gave it up. He gave up that, that blessing. And when it, when it came time, when Isaac was on his deathbed blind, he told Esau, go out and hunt. Let me, um, you know, fix up a meal for me. I want to bless you. And he, Esau went to go do it. And then Jacob conspired with his mother. Um, Esau, I guess was hairy. And I thought this was interesting. They put our, on, on Jacob's arms, he was not a hairy man. He was a, just a, somebody that hung out in the tents. They put lamb skin on him, right? Going back to Adam and Eve with the coats of skin, right? The lamb had to cover Jacob to, and actually they, they fooled Isaac and Jacob ended up getting the blessing, but it was God's will, right? It was God's will. And Esau, Esau screwed up. God made this whole thing happen. But again, it represents Israel losing that promise to the new covenant that you've got to believe on Jesus Christ. Now, again, that doesn't mean that the Israelites cannot come to Christ, but they've got to believe, right? All of us, I don't care what ethnicity or religion you are, this is the key for everlasting life. And yes, I don't care what religion you're from. This is it. This, This is the only book where someone was sacrificed for you to actually get saved, right? So why... When I was first became a Christian, all the sacrifices of animals animals was kind of creepy. And even my my wife was the same. She's like, this is gross. I don't like reading this. But when you get the full context that Jesus is the ultimate sac- sacrifice and the life is in the blood, right? That it makes total sense. And it just becomes exciting. So the high priest in Leviticus is a picture of Christ. Christ is the final high priest of the church. And this high priest was anointed. He would intercede for the Israelite sins. And if he would go into the Holy Holies and be a sinful person, man, God would strike him down, right? So he had to, he had to try to live a, a, right, a righteous life before he went into the Holy of Holies. But you think about these blood sacrifice, life is in the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins, right? So that we need to atone for our sins and our souls. The wages of sin is death. And that's even today, even if you get saved. But Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. He was sinless and that opened up the new covenant. That was really what the Old Testament was about, Joe. And what's wild is when Jesus was sacrificed, after that happened, it eliminated, eliminated the need to do all these rituals. It just was done, right? So there's no more sacrifices after Christ came on and was the final sacrifice. Jesus's blood takes away the sin of the world. Perfect. So John 1, 29 uh, this is John the prophet saying, the next day, John, seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, behold, the lamb of God, which take away the sin of the world. Going back to the lamb. I mean, it's just, this is New Testament, John 1, 29. Oh man, it's just wild. So Jesus in the Old Testament, Testament again, Genesis 22, we talked about, that's an obvious one. Gen- or Psalm 22, 16 talks about Jesus as well, getting pierced for dogs have compassed me and assemble of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet pierced. Jesus was on the cross, pierced hands and feet and crucifixion did not happen in the old Testament, but one that's undeniable of Jesus Christ in the old Testament, hundreds of years before the new Testament was Isaiah 53. I'm not going to, I'm just going to play the King James and, sit back and listen and read and study. I mean, this is just a perfect depiction of Jesus Christ. Chapter 53. 
Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken, and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Deep. It's just, it's deep. I'm not even going to over talk that, but it gets better. <laughs> I, you know, what's, what's, what's funny when I first became a Christian, I, I, I glanced over all the Jewish feasts. I'm like, whatever, all these feasts, I don't care. I don't get it. I'm just, I would, it's like the genealogies. I just breeze over them, whatever. And then I learned maybe three, four years ago, how Jesus, his first coming actually fulfilled the spring feast and his second coming is going to fulfill the fall feasts, you know? And so the more you dive into the Bible, you just unlock, things just appear to you. And if you pray, the Holy Ghost will give you wisdom of what he, what he means. And it's multifaceted. It's just deep. There's depth. I think it's impossible to get bored with the Bible. It's just impossible. There's, there are new insights that come about all the time and it's a roadmap on how to live your life. It totally is. And so the first spring feast that Christ fulfilled is the Passover, right? Passover. You think about when the angel of death came over um, Israel or Egypt you know, when the Israelites were trying to get out of being in captive and they had to put the lamb's blood on their door so the angel didn't strike and kill their kid. So it symbolizes that. So let's, let's read. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, draw out, take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. So Exodus 12, 21. To protect them in the New Testament, let's read on how Jesus fulfilled that. Purge out therefore the old leaven, leaven is to sin, that ye may be a new lump as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Right? He, he completed the Passover. 
Then we go into the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So let's read from John. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. <laughs> I'm the bread of life. Completed that feast. Now we had the Feast of First Fruits, which is his resurrection. So the sheep of first fruits to the priest. Jesus is the first fruit of the resurrection. So 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 23 but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that sleep. For since by man came death, by man came also resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. Mind bending. And then it gets better. Feast of Pentecost, right? 50 days after first fruits. What happened is about 3,000 people were saved. Acts 2, 1, the Holy Ghost just went in. And let's read. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Peter preached to about 33,000. 3, Peter preached and about 3,000 responded to his proclamation of the gospel. The Pentecost is considered to be the birth of the church. Magnus, it's just... It's unexplainable how, how wild that is. So it gets better. Jesus will fulfill all the fall feasts with his second coming. And this reminds me of the parable, the wheats and the tares, right? They grow together and they wait until the you know, second coming of God. And they're going to burn up the tares and the wheats are going to go into the barn. The barn symbolizes heaven. So we had the fee for the fall feasts that are going to be fulfilled when with the second coming, which I think we're in these times. The Feast of Trumpets represents warning of the enemy's dead center of the, the year, which basically is the abomination of desolation, where the Antichrist will make war with the saints. You know, and you, you look at numbers 10 and 9 going to battle, war, alarm, boom, blow, blow the trumpet, right? So coming to a town near you with these end days. And then the day of atonement, afflict your souls, trouble, tribulation, fast, somber time, right? Try to get, get the sin out of you, reflect. And then 49 years after that, or every 40, 49 years, you've got the year of Jubilee that, that is fun, positive, all your debts forgiven. It's kind of a neat financial system when you think about it. And a lot of these different um, articles down below talk about how that's the rapture right? That's the liberty of the children of God, the Christians, those that believe. And it's parallel is the book of Revelations, obviously in Mark 13, 24, 26. So this Jubilee, you know, connected to the day of atonement, it's like, boom, it's there. And then lastly, the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles getting out to the woods for seven days. And this is when the Israelites were just wandering, trying to get to their homeland. This is what this is supposed to remind them of. And can't remember which pastor was talking about this, but he thinks this is when, when people are raptured up after the tribulation, that it'll be a, a calming period of people to um, just get right, get their doctrine right, you know, he said. And then when, when the Christians go and rule with Christ, you know, they'll be able to, to rule with him kind of brush up on their Bible, if you will. But this is what's wild within this um, 
feast of booths or tabernacles, you know, they have palm branches in their hands. And let's read Revelation 7, 9, where everybody's raptured that are Christians. After this, I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all the nations, kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. It's deep. It's deep. So Jesus foretold in the Old, Old Testament, so we're just kind of, you know, it's just, it's just there if you, if you reach it. A lot of scholars know Rahab, the harlot. So if you're some wicked sinner, by faith, and granted, you need, you need to, we're all, we all fall short. We're all sinners, but, um, you know, you need to repent. And if you show good works before men, you're justified before them. But what's just interesting is she believed in God. She, her works were she hid the Israel spies before Israel attacked the city. And then the scarlet thread really represents Christ. So it's, it, the whole thing represents salvation. There's a great article, kjvbibletruth.com, that really talks about that. And then Solomon, and granted, he was wicked, turned a, a lot, but a lot of him you can actually find in Christ. And I thought it was just interesting. Um, one of these articles talked about in peace. It's one of the few times there's peace in Israel and he ruled with a rod of iron. And so when Jesus comes back, he's going to rule with a rod of iron. And then the story of Joseph really parallels the story of Christ as well. It's just, it's, it's there. You just have eyes to, to look at that. And so you, this is homework for you, you know, dive deep, deep into it. It's kind of fun. All right. Bringing this home. Jesus appears in the old Testament, Joe, Joe Scoffer, Joe Rogan. He's all over the Old Testament, some that are very evident, and I'm sure I'm missing a bunch. Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and there was a fourth person there that appears to be Jesus. There's some debate about that. Joshua sees this angel of God and with a sword, and I'm paraphrasing. He basically goes on to say, are you with us or against us? Joshua's going into battle, and I think it was Jesus said, nay. I mean, that's just kind of wild, right? And Joshua ended up having to take off his shoes because this is holy ground and bow down to Jesus. You know, angels don't get worshiped. And then Jacob wrestled with Jesus because he told Esau when he met his brother, he's like, I have seen God, right? And if you, you can't see the father of God because you will die. So this is Jesus as well. And then a bunch of preachers, you know, I was researching this, Melchizedek, they think he's Christ. I, it might be controversial. I don't know, but. When, I, when I'm reading it, it kind of pops out. I can see what they're saying. For this, Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation, king of righteousness, and after that, also king of Salem, which is king of peace, Christ's king of peace, without father, without mother, without father, without mother, without descendant, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the son of God, abideth a priest continually. That sounds like Christ. Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, bread and wine, bread and wine, Christ, right? New Testament. And he was the priest of the most high God. <laughs> Psalm 110.4, the Lord hath sworn, and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. I mean, it's, just, it's wild. Just fresh. So bringing this home in these end days, right? This is an end day verse. Um, and this is just reminding me of Joe. 
knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, Joe Scoffer, walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all the things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this, they willing are ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, the earth standing out of water and in the water. For by the world that then was being overflowed with water perished, but the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So I just pray Joe finds Christ and the soul is saved and he can be a great beacon for the Christian kingdom. And if he doesn't want to do that with his free will, that's the great thing about God. God does not take away your free will. Satan's going to, when he ties you to the internet of things, you're going to be a hive mind, right? Um, but hopefully, hopefully that we can get people saved by countering Joe's arguments because they're, they're rubbish. So again, supernatural book, the Old Testament is about Jesus Christ. So the question, Old Testament or New Testament, that pastor answered it correctly. It's both because the Old Testament is written about Jesus Christ flat out. And we're going to cover two. I'm going to do a, a, a series here because Joe talked about how great CERN is. CERN is about opening up portals into another realms. And one of the head directors said, if we talk to some other beings there, you know, we'll, we'll communicate back and forth with them. So he's loving CERN, he's loving science, but they're trying to open up dimensions to other worlds. <laughs> Come on, Joe. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the gene corruption and the gene you know, how, how that is happening today, which makes the Bible even come more to life. And then I think maybe we'll do one more. We might be do a series of three or four off this podcast because we got, you know, he's the number one podcaster in the world and we need to counter it. Right. So there's probably a year worth of study of the old Testament linking in to um, how Christ is all over it. And I'm just tapped into it. And I, I think that I think this article, I'll have to put the article in the footnotes because it was so long. It went through my whole page. So Scott with SJ Wildfire, again, check out um, Proof the Bible is Real off the website. Thank you for your support. And let's pray for not only Joe, but Joe's listeners, if they come to Christ, you know, beginning of sorrows, I think we're in. Uh, Revelation 9, God's been putting that on my heart. A lot of that stuff has to happen before then, but um, right? The Euphrates River is drying up. Damascus is destroyed. Men's hearts are, are lovers of them, themselves, volcanoes in weird, diverse places. You're going to start seeing sinkholes all over the place. Um, sun and moon darken, planet X is coming in. I mean, the laundry list goes on. The sign, we're, in, we're in some wild signs of the times. Make sure you're, you're ready. Save your soul. God bless. Scott with SJ Wellfire.